Hey, before we launch in, I wanted to tell you real quick about an offer we're making for this holiday season only. It is the Big Self Enneagram Typing Package. It's an awesome opportunity to laser in on not only your type, but also your subtype. We offer a state-of-the-art test, a 20-page report, and we follow it up with a 90-minute typing interview. And then we even cross-compare your test results with a certified Enneagram expert. So check it out at bigselfschool.com backslash Enneagram typing package. It's 20% off our $500 typing package for December only. Just fill out the form at the bottom of the page. You could also go to bigselfschool.com and go to the four individuals link and you will find the typing package there. It's a 20% off discount. We wanted to celebrate the holidays with you in that way. Look forward to see you there. And now on to our program. Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. This is the second in our trilogy on our brief series on the Enneagram types in stress, specifically how each type deals with stress, how sometimes in personality they may be surviving and overcoming stress in their patterns, and also how these very patterns tend to create stress and the conditions for burnout that we tend to experience a little bit later in life after we've pushed through, after our ego has been serving us for a period of time in in the world, in the world of personal relationships, of professional endeavors. And on this episode, we will be talking about the heart types, types two, three, and four. And last time, if you haven't, if you did not tune in to the first one in this series on body types, of course, we invite you to do so for the sake of the eights, nines, and ones, and those in your life who may be them, even if you are not. And we spent about 10 maybe 15 minutes at the most, talking about why the Enneagram, how it works for us in our coaching practice, how we think it is a vital and valuable contributor to a lot more than mere typing or typology. There are a lot of different systems which do that pretty well, but the Enneagram has a special place where it also, through its ancient wisdom and the applied theories, the modern theories of psychology, on top of it, it provides absolutely fascinating, unparalleled, frankly, ways to grow, ways forward. You could call them shortcuts if you want, but directions, it's like a compass, on the map of where we can go to begin growing. So we begin to understand the heart types in the center of intelligence. You know, we really emphasized how for for the body types, the central core operating underlying emotion is anger, 
and that eights, nines, and ones have a different relationship to anger. For these heart types that we are introducing today, the central core operating emotion is sadness, and each has a different relationship to sadness. And we can go ahead and tell you that twos are in conflict with sadness. They are twos, which we call in my book, Shock Point, The Enneagram and Burnout and Stress, which this is a prelude to because it's coming out in January. We call twos deflating the pride balloon. Traditionally, twos are called the helper Traditionally, in classic Enneagram uh, writing and popular Enneagram writing, especially from the 90s, we see it that the term the helper arising. And a lot of people, without digging too deep into the Enneagram, begin to think, yep, I'm a helper, I must be a two, and that's that. And that's not necessarily the case at all. Lots of different types may be helpful for different motivations and reasons, but there is a reason be behind uh, why twos uh, do like to, why they're called the helpers in the first place. We tend to, like Beatrice Chestnut has said for a while that there is a strategy behind why twos are often helpful. So we at least like to call twos the strategic helpers. They're defining characteristics and in personality, they are really excellent at, you could say, seducing groups or individuals. They are, and by that it's just if they really can have this innate gift, this wonderful ability in personality to be able to make even the most difficult people like them. uh, This is a big agenda of twos, is to make sure that individuals and groups uh, make sure they're liked. They tend to have poor boundaries, And they may come to resent the people who break those boundaries, but they will, most of the time, you will find them tolerating the the breaks and the breaches in their boundaries because they don't want to be perceived as being unlikable. They will, while maybe even resenting it, go ahead and do the things being asked of them, Uh, maybe having way too many coffees or something, saying, yeah, just unable to say, no to things that aren't what they would be advocating for, what what they would be wanting. But again, saying yes anyway. They are now about the emotions for twos. Twos are immersed in emotions to the point where sometimes it can actually be hard to think or even move into action, especially when it is on their own behalf. Because they are always thinking about others, we tend to, these are a very other referencing type, the twos. Thinking about others because they are, they're way before they're thinking about themselves. And so they do have a lot of emotions. They are a very strong feeler. Some might argue the strongest emotional type of all of the types. Certainly it's, it would seem maybe a tie between them and fours. 
But with twos, it may be harder to identify the emotional underlay there because they will repress those feelings. Twos also begin to take on everything themselves, and this is leading us to their passion. They, they will take on everything themselves because no one else can do it as well as they believe they are capable of doing it. And then they will often resent the others who let them go ahead and do it all. But that's where the passion of pride comes in for twos. So they are helping everyone. They're often knowing other people's needs even before other people have recognized them themselves. They are likable and winning people over and the, and people are loving this. And the twos get go to pride kind of a deceptive passion, kind of like hard to see if you haven't done a fair amount of work as a as a two because you're thinking I all I'm doing is giving to other people. How could pride be the central operating sort of mechanism of a motivation behind my actions? which lead me into all so much so much of the trouble the suffering um the many issues that i am f- feel and so you know it's also deceptive actually the the pride is to the others who participate in its courtship because yeah, after all, isn't this person focusing their attention on you? Aren't they serving your needs and interested in your interest? And, and don't they defer to you before they even take themselves into consideration? So it, I don't, they don't seem prideful to, to you on the outside either. But it may in fact be that because twos are not aware of their love need, that this unconsciousness supports the passion of pride. And and that's what, so how is pride working there? It's like, well, I don't have needs. I am above having needs. You wouldn't be able to meet my needs really anyway. And I'm going to go around taking care of everybody and being in control of everything. Twos must be doing this for a reason. They must be getting some needs met. And so that, and that's where it comes from is the twos as, a, as children, they prove that they're worthy of their parents' love by meeting everybody's needs and seeing how, see how valuable and, and special I am and what I'm doing for everybody. But if you don't know the motivation behind why you are pursuing this worthiness in the first place, it makes sense that you will feel a sense of pride when the other acknowledges your efforts and fulfills your need. And so that is the strategy for twos. It's they're, they're saying effectively, well, of course you're giving back to me. I've done so much for you. I know I am worthy of this. And so that is rather than soliciting emotional support from others, such as fours do in their passion of envy, twos, they provide emotional benefits to others as the source of their passion of pride.
it's like this pride and like they can fix you or fix your situation. Like they're not trying to be your hero, but they can, they can be. And trying to be that person is exhausting. And they even often put themselves on pedestals. It's interesting because, you know, they are the type that is most known to be focused on others, but they, they think when they're sometimes I've heard when their pride shows up, they turn very self-focused and they do say effectively, look what I have been doing for you. Look how I've been fixing you. What now are you going to do for me, this very special person in your life who's very worthy of you? And you should, by the way, know that you should be helping me. I shouldn't have to ask for it. And twos have trouble asking for it. And they will take their ball and go home if they're not, so to speak, if they're not getting those needs met in the family, in the workplace, you can see that sometimes it's not even, it seems to be introversion, like the twos going off, oh, she just needs, she or, or he just needs some time to themselves. And they may, but it's really, they're going, they need to go off and they need to be by themselves sometimes to even allow themselves to be aware of their feelings or the needs that they're having, which aren't getting met. And maybe they're a little upset or angry about it um, for a period of time. And I've also noticed with twos, if they get hooked or they get triggered emotionally, it's a little harder for them to unwind and reset than it is even for other hard types I've noticed. I mean, certainly there are head and body types who are able to bounce back emotionally pretty quickly. But uh, with twos, you, you you really need to check in with them. If you know twos in your life, just it doesn't hurt to just say, hey, how you doing now? And let them know that you are tending to them, that you're thinking about what their needs might be and helping them self-reflect a little bit and go, huh, well, how am I? Am I still being a little bit triggered? So humility is therefore the antidote for pride. And, you know, one of the things that twos can do that I've heard a lot of twos say this is very helpful is beginning your day, starting a habit of beginning your day with just simply thinking, what is the smallest thing that you can do today? Not a big, so it's the opposite of pride. It's the smallest thing that you can do today. And also asking yourself what you can do for yourself. Now, nines really need to do this too. They need to check in with like, how are they feeling? And and, nines and twos are actually often mistyped for different reasons. But um, for twos, it's like just being, being able to be modest, humble, to not have all the answers, to ask for what they need, and sometimes just to be basic. So that is the key to growth, the virtue of humility. It's to bring into recognition and self-understanding and and often self-acceptance that this over-identification on relationships 
really ultimately originates from an emptiness. And the two's ego, it's constantly fretting that it is not enough. It's got to prove itself again and again. And there will almost surely be pain of, of one kind of deficiency or another, a recognition of some limitation, usually of something the, the other person values highly before they can grow into a wider vision of who they are. So, you know, with all of the types that we talk about, when you're being reactive, when you're under stress and falling into a more mechanical behavior, you're falling into this default state that your your body just goes into without without much self-awareness. And that's what how are you acting under stress? Well, when twos, they worry more and more about how people see them. Big emotions are rumbling around, and without and within them out necessarily knowing what to do about it, they can get moody, and then they'll get mad at themselves for getting moody. And it it really has to do often with how they're doing with other people, and as a result, they put more pressure on themselves to do more, to be more, to help more, and you know, alter twos really want to repress stress, much like nines. And then sometimes, and this is like due to this tendency to repress, their stress may seem invisible until it it explodes. And again, what they really need is to feel supported. And so actually for twos, just talking about it to someone who can empathize can be so healing. They expect others to tune into their needs, but asking for help can help. And also, if they're overworking twos, you can moderate your workload. Ask for help. So twos do need to remember that they are not responsible for other people's happiness and comfort. And actually, especially as leaders, twos need to be able to let go of others' expectations and be okay if others feel disappointed or frustrated. And by the way, I think a lot of things that we twos aren't particular, they can be very creative, very strategic, but they really do have to grow and, and through the growth, give themselves the room for it by stepping out of this pride of meeting everyone else's needs and through making time to self-reference, to check in on what they are going through that is how they can step into their more their intellect their strategic thinking and their higher level creative thinking as well common things that stress twos it's hard to focus on themselves long enough to feel like it's okay to rest and take care of their own needs also not getting reciprocation when like when other people don't recognize how generous they're being in their service, ooh, that can get them really riled up and upset. And and not getting recognized or affirmed for the very basic fact that they are overextending themselves to such an extent and then and causing themselves stress. Also overextending themselves to the extent that they don't even know who they are unless they are involved in the lives of others. 
it stresses them out to say no to requests of just about any kind, especially when they begin to recognize they're being used or will receive nothing in return for their effort. I guess it also, you know, we've, we've thought about that, but also it stresses them out to say no, even if they are going to get something, um, for their effort. Also twos, um, are sensitive in this own, this particular way when others put themselves above others, when people put themselves above others, they, they really get upset to twos do by this, but for different reasons than like an eight does who really has issues with, um, for, you know, on benefit of the, the underdog. This will twos get stressed when people seem to have no social skills and then they will say things that are rude or offensive or caustic, um, maybe too direct. And and twos that you'll you'll know it too by their just wonderful ability to not be that way. Uh and the skills, the natural intuitive skills to not say something too directly. They don't like to um, be left out of meetings or communities that they expect to be a part of, want to be a part of. And also, as we previously mentioned, just getting over a confrontation or an argument, um, they they can often be called for this reason overly sensitive or emotional, and they are emotional. But sometimes, again, they may not even recognize all the feelings they're having until they get into have an opportunity to really talk to someone. Often this is in coaching. They will save all of their tears until they are in a session and then it will have all built up. And just the opportunity to be able to vent those emotions to a safe party is such a relief sometimes to twos. So for twos, we would encourage you to develop a sense of yourself just just to you. It's not selfish to do self-work. And that's an important message for twos to hear. Also, naturally, this idea of giving to get. Everything does not need to be a quid pro quo. Can you give with no expectation? I think that that can be hard for a lot of types, but especially this can be true for twos. Also maintaining healthy boundaries, learning that doing for others isn't always as helpful as it may seem. So whether a manager, whether a parent letting others learn to function on their own helps them develop their own autonomy. So there, and there are limitless possibilities for serving the underdog, but what is the price you are paying either individually or for your family when you give compulsively and and also inquire about what is your motivation behind your actions when you do that? So that is twos needing to deflate the pride balloon to be able to not not just go not just going up and down in pride but to through humility just to have good boundaries and recognize when they need to tend to themselves threes are in the middle of our heart triad threes who you are when you're not succeeding 
Traditionally, threes are called the performer. And generally speaking, this type is associated with actions related to building efficacy, capability, excellence, and this constant grind for admiration is a search for ultimately the deeper essence that they are missing in the authenticity of their true self. Now, in our productive culture that is really aligned with your your value and who you are, some may argue that healthy expressions of threes are the supreme examples of having made it as a human and that they serve as like role models for the rest of us. But while threes accomplishments, actually, they may be truly remarkable, it still does not represent a person who as an individual self has realized their essence or who they really are. You could even say, like, if threes make the world go round, they'll, they can make your head spin with impressing you with just how high they can climb your particular culture's success ladder. So in implied in some of these characterizations is the passion of three is self-deceit. And self-deceit, I think in earlier Enneagram literature, there was a time when it was called deceit. But threes aren't trying to lie to you. It's, it's themselves. It's the false front that threes project that's unconscious unless they've done a lot of work. And so that's why it's they, in the end, are deceiving themselves. And effectively, they are of a real marketing orientation. They are marketing themselves to others, presenting themselves often in an upbeat and put together way. And, you know, and I would also say there's nothing deceptive about how they get things done. But the problem is, in the end, they are perhaps the most lost of any type when it comes to knowing who they really are. They've deceived themselves at the expense of pleasing and impressing others. And in a sense, too, they're impressed with themselves because of the mirror that they put up to others. Others are impressed with me. I'm impressed with myself. So the antidote for the passion of vanity is a move to the virtue of veracity. Veracity reveals a closer and more substantive understanding of the three's true self, rather than approximating a mirror of approval from others based upon impression management. And that is why for those who are ready to do the difficult inner work, the antidote to vanity positions itself wisely through the virtue of veracity. And depending on the subtype, which we are not talking about in this series, there are different strategies for relaxing the image grip that comes into play. So under stress, when a three is under stress, especially chronic stress, like all types, they tend to double down 
first and foremost, with an intensity to their already hardworking style. They'll become irritable and impatient with others who can't or won't keep up. And that's whether or not they're in leadership positions. And they delegate and collaborate less because they believe, whether it's true or not, that they will get the job done the best and the most efficiently. They're, and, and they're likely to do all this at the expense of their personal or professional relationships and, and also importantly at the expense of their relationship with themselves. So in other words, even though they are a heart type, and in fact, they are in the center of the heart type, they cut themselves off from their emotions, as well as any inner or intrapersonal dynamics, because what are emotions for them? They're messy. They're inefficient. So long as they experience these outer rewards for the accomplishments they're maintaining and their capacity for enduring, they will just continue the behavior perpetually. Ask any three, they'll tell you similar stories. And like eights, threes in personality begin to often power through, work harder, and this has served a function for them throughout their lives. So in most cases, their defense mechanism of working harder does, though, it creates more stress. It's a quintessential example. And it can be explained really on both the interpersonal dynamics and ignoring the needs of important others in their life. Or in the work setting, they'll be sometimes told that they don't play well with others. And of course, you know, their interior life all along, all along all of this is suffering, which can cause issues internally. And it may or may not show up symptomatically in the nervous system for weeks or months, but eventually it does and breakdowns eventually occur. So some common stressors for threes is people who do poor work or don't really care how well they do or if a project fails. People who get in the way of their goals. Or on a team, people who aren't consistently pulling their own weight. And as mentioned, when there is emotional chaos, this interrupts their schedules, their commitments. And especially if these, this chaos doesn't have practical or tangible outcomes or solutions. Any kind of thing that's a distraction is a stressor. Four threes who are living and breathing with these to-do lists and, and accomplishing. And then I, I would also say that it also stresses threes out when they're not recognized for how hard they are working or for how brilliant they may be. They're, when they don't get that image, that mirroring back to them, that others are valuing them, seeing them in this important way. So overall, we would say for threes, we would encourage you, how can you, besides the virtue of veracity, what are some patterns to observe to make more conscious? And overall, we would just say threes need to learn to be more comfortable in their own skin. You don't have to be anything else to anyone. 
you need to be yourself, but how, right? Like if you just really have been living your life by doing and grinding and being told and mirrored back that you're this, that you're that, you're, you intuitively shapeshift according to what you perceive someone wants to hear. And that fear, that underlying fear, that hollowness of just having to ask, who am I, can really like keep them on the run. Just to prove how amazing they are when others think they're amazing. So threes, they can work on recognizing and sitting with their emotions They'll, that's really where you'll find a lot of growth and a path through some, sometimes the debilitating realities of stress. Also, we would just say, you know, it, isn't it a heavy burden to feel like you're always working so hard just to be appreciated? Put that down. Recognize just the power and authenticity of your own emotions and you don't have to constantly prove to yourself and others that you're enough. Why can't you just be enough without having to do anything? And by the way, why do emotions scare you so much if you're a three? Why, why do you believe fundamentally they're a waste of your time? Could emotions have anything to teach you about yourself? So the bottom line is you don't have to fear your feelings. They aren't threatening they don't have to be getting in your way. In fact, this is one of those examples of the obstacle is the way. Feelings are your path ahead to grow. So take that impatience that you're feeling, that impatience that you're feeling. Take it home, listen to it, and realize that talking about your feelings actually leads you to find the real wisdom in yourself that you may need something and that you can begin to know who you are through the virtue of veracity that doesn't have anything to do with the role or the image that you're playing or portraying. So only through the pursuit of that higher level emotional self-understanding, will you begin to recognize the features of what is true to you? So those are threes. And last but not least of our heart types, fours. Endless comparing and introjecting. Traditionally called the romantic. And so for fours, they they tend to manifest, we'll just get right to it for fours. The passion of the four is envy, which is a little more unusual than so far we've, you know, we've heard of lust, sloth, and anger for the body types. And we've heard of pride and self-deceit for the twos and threes. And then you come to envy and so for fours, though, understanding at first when many fours, I don't know if it's most fours, but many fours, when first confronted with the passion of four, I mean, with yeah, with the passion of envy, is that this idea that you're constantly craving something that is lacking. It just doesn't, it doesn't immediately register. For, for one, we have to understand that envy is not jealousy. And so it's not as obvious 
as some of the literature on some of the other types. Jealousy is of, you could say, an insidious nature, meaning not, not only do you see something someone else possesses, but importantly, you believe you deserve it too, and if at all possible, you will take it. So it's a more overt form of competition that is still related to scarcity. It's almost as if to say, you have something that I don't have, but I am equal to you and deserving it, and it is inherently unfair that I don't, and something should be done. But by contrast, envy is of an invidious nature, meaning you see something someone else possesses and feel that you are lacking because you don't also possess it. So it may end up transforming into something that a four may feel that he or she deserves and thus creating a form of competition to get to it. But this is not typically the case. And in general, fours believe they internalize that they are inadequate. Now, deep down, they believe they are amazing and talented. And that's part of like the deception here, but that, you know, they've been overlooked for some reason. And I've even heard it called, I liked this, I think it was Naranjo called it a thwarted vanity. So whereas threes have a lot of vanity, and there's even pride in the twos, for fours, it's a thwart, it's like a thwarted vanity. And so it's this idea of like, I am so extraordinary and special, but others don't realize it. And there is this, and there's this feeling of disappointment and disillusionment. And actually it also leads fours to get stuck in an ever perpetuating cycle of seeking the extraordinary, seeking these intense experiences because it makes them feel alive. It makes them feel that they are really engaged with something that's what well, like that they believe that they are themselves extraordinary, amazing. But it is important actually to remember that fours, their essential core emotion is sadness and that they too are image focused. So thus, while there are many ways in which fours may feel inadequate, the focus is on how they are perceived or recognized or understood for who and what they are. So for fours, the path forward is through the virtue of equanimity. Equanimity. You're like, what's that? It's this idea of finding balance and wholeness within themselves and and outside of themselves and how they perceive others. And it's it's a new way to just feel like I'm equal to who you are. I'm not better than you. I'm not worse than you. It also emphasizes simplicity, sort of like humility does, just being, you know, plainness and style. And importantly, there's this emotional neutrality. So for fours, 
they can really be going up and down. And of course, when they're down, they think, oh, I don't need to be ruled by my emotions. But then they'll be really, really up. And that's just fueling them. And they're just feeling great. And wow, this is amazing. But even that too is not equanimity. So through that virtue, through the virtue of equanimity, you can find more interior calm and more emotional balance. You don't have to ride the highs and lows of these intense emotions. And through, actually through equanimity, fours can become more aware of when through their defense mechanism of introjection, which is an interesting concept. It's, you know, that we hear a lot about projection and this idea of imagining false fantasies. But with interjection, there is this absorbing the emotional atmosphere outside of themselves. So through this awareness, they can then begin to build clearer boundaries with others and their emotions. Be like, I don't need to take on, I don't need to interject and take on your emotions. And this can help them become and feel more balanced in general in that virtue of equanimity. Also, fours can grow in greater awareness of how they tend to think of themselves first before considering the impact of others. So whereas twos are needing to work on putting themselves before others, the reverse is true for fours. And that that level of awareness that can aid them in their social lives, and also it can help them become more effective leaders as well as obviously employees in the workplace. Under stress, they can be, you know, force can be so fixated in their patterns of what is missing, whether it's, you know, what something missing in themselves or even circumstantially, like no matter how good a situation is, they just have this intuitive sense of like, well, what could even make it better? And when it comes to with others, they're always sizing themselves up. They're always going, well, I'm at least I know that I'm better than so and so. This is unconscious. So it's not, you know, you you don't need to like come down on fours real hard for <laughs> for being like, you think you're better than a lot. They're, the reason that they're trying to feel like they're superior to others is because otherwise they're going to be feeling inferior. They can be incredibly hard on themselves. In fact, we do say that ones have the strongest inner critic and they do. But I tell you, fours through this feeling of inferiority, they can self self loathe and be so incredibly critical on themselves. They can have quite a high functioning inner, inner critic as well. And they'll, they'll turn that on themselves. And then in their anger, sometimes when they're tired of feeling, they'll then turn that hyper criticism on to everyone else. So one important insight for fours to understand is that just because they'll interiorize and wrangle with their emotions, they will also, just like any and every other type, avoid certain emotions or realities that they don't want to face. And that recognition alone can be keys to the kingdom for growth. So starting with just a shade more self-awareness, followed by genuine acceptance and self-compassion, that in turn can mean real growth 
and a renewed, more mature perspective. So common stressors for fours, not getting the recognition or rewards or compensation for their hard work and the time they give of their talents and abilities. Hey, I resemble that. Yes, uh, four here. uh, And that has definitely been true for me over the years, especially it's, you know, it's like the Enneagram reveals these things to you and you're like, wow, everyone doesn't sort of feel that way and live that way. But lots of fours do. Also, just being consistently overlooked or not listened to. People who are fake really annoy, possibly at an extreme, they can stress fours. Um, people who aren't personable or relatable. If I, if I meet someone, I'm immediately trying to think of their name and I'm referring to them as their name because I'm trying to connect. And when other people just like, keep, just keep talking to me, they never mention my name. They're not personable. They're not relatable. They don't want to connect or even think that way. That can be stressful for the four. Also, fours do not like to do just mundane tasks. They want to be doing something special, intense. For a lot of fours, they, it stresses them out when no one else cares about the, the aesthetics of the environment they live or work in. Also, working for someone who has everything they want and constantly feeling that they will never measure up or have the opportunity to do so, and knowing when and where and how to spend their time and energy often experiencing confusion on exactly what the next best step is for fear that it will lead them in the wrong direction. So for fours to make, to, to, to break out of these patterns, to make them a little bit more conscious and therefore be able to observe them and therefore develop more self-awareness is when, like really for fours, it's like bring up into consciousness your emotional awareness, your tendency to be in melancholy. It's like a mood, not just an emotion, but it's this mood in the background and learn how to spot it. Fours are, they're really good at reading their own emotions and feeling the the world around them. Well, pay attention to how you go into this melancholy, even if you're not necessarily, because if it's your default state, you don't necessarily know how negative you actually may be if you're in a melancholic state. And I will, I coach people on this one effective and proven way If you don't want to feel melancholic and you're seeking tools to break out of that, it would be to start a practice of gratitude. Now, a lot of times in November, (laughs) we're brought up, we hear a lot of like having an attitude of gratitude and being thankful and, you know, it feels light. It may feel cheesy to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write the three things today that I'm grateful for. But I am serious, if, if this is one of the possibly most researched tools for developing self-awareness is this idea of digging deep, coming up with new things 
to have gratitude about. And it elicits this emotion of joy. It's really fascinating. But when you begin to proactively practice, what can I be grateful for? You begin to experience this emotion of joy, which is an incredible counterbalance to this feeling of melancholic, melancholy. Also for fours, just recognize what really is special or strong or positive about you and and focus on what you already do possess and not what you lack. Also, for all the types, fours do have this tendency to really get nostalgic about thinking of romanticizing the past. So for fours, it's like good to be right here, right now. And what one small step can you take to make your present and your future better today? Now, sevens, we need to, we need to say, hey, you need to get out of constantly looking to the future. For fours, you need to get out of constantly pining over the past. And finally, I would say to fours, you are not your emotions. So that's so getting out of them and learning to analyze your feelings in your head, analyze your feelings, distance yourself from them. And then you can more readily identify specifically what is causing your anxiety or stress. You can identify the source and then you can ask yourself, is it yours to carry? So I hope that this second part of our three-part series on the Enneagram and stress, this time on heart types, I hope it's been helpful that it's bringing up insights, ideas, helping you recognize parts of yourself in personality, or certainly helping you understand and how to interact with and even knowing some of the motivations behind other people that you interact with. You know where to find us at bigselfschool.com. If you would like to learn more, sign up for any of our coaching packages. And of course, checking out the book that this is all based on, Shockpoint, the Enneagram in Burnout and Stress. And we will see you again next time for the remaining part of this series, the Enneagram and Burnout and Stress, the Head Types. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Big Self Podcast. Hey, if you don't know much about us and you haven't checked us out yet and you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast, we'd like to tell you that you can find us at BigSelfSchool.com. All kinds of things you can check out there are archives of podcasts. Most importantly, of course, what's in it for you, burnt a burnout coaching package, typing packages, which are discounted, of course, for the month of December here at 20% off and lots of other resources and things for you to check out there. We'd love to see there some books, bigselfschool.com.